Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Elfson with the Digital Education Podcast. I'm bringing to an end because I think I'm going to start a, a new series, but I'm bringing to an end um, the question and the conversations I've been having with friends on what's next. So if you've been following, it's really been about, you know, the last four or five weeks that, you know, kind of have been having some of these daily conversations as we think about education, schools, leadership in them and innovation in them, what's coming after um, this, this shutdown. And so I'm with a really good friend, somebody I admire quite a bit, um, and who's been on the podcast before, Justin Cook. And Justin is uh, Director of Learning for Advance. And uh, Justin, I'm just going to throw it over to you and, and ask that question of, what do you see is coming? What do you see as next? Thanks for having me, Eric. It's awesome to be uh, on the, the digital podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to just close my eyes and imagine driving down Highway 1 towards Monterey Bay. Um, but if, if, if you find me all of a sudden lapsing into, into quiet, that's where I am. So thanks for having me. Um, here in Southern Ontario, the weather's been not too bad, but I'm sure it's not like California. So, And thanks for the series. It's been awesome for me just to join you and, and your guests and to think about what's next with you. So I think, you know, I've been pondering that question, obviously, the what's next question. Uh, one thing that's been really helpful for me, and I've always approached kind of life as narrative, um, and it's been helpful for me to think not only what's next, but what's actually been happening. What, what, how would we summarize what just happened when the world exploded for us in mid-March in education and obviously in health? And, and a good friend, Daryl DeBoer, offered me these, I, this idea of three phases. So phase one was just create and implement an emergency home-based plan. March, schools got closed. We went into phase one. It was a sprint. It was full of adrenaline and pressure. And a week later, we probably were moving into phase two after a ton of speed work. Uh, and phase two was to adapt and stabilize the plan and the entire school. And that was characterized by a sense of success from phase one, having accomplished phase one, but it also was characterized by exhaustion as we realized we were in this for a longer haul. It wasn't just a snow day. Now we're in a whole new winter season or even a new uh, kind of ice age as uh, Andy Crouch has said. And in phase two, I, I think it's also important to notice that to me, schools that were primarily transactional in their value, value proposition were in major crisis. They were, they, their value proposition was threatened. They were laying off people, trying to reduce tuition, losing families. And that's obviously something really hard and sad. And I think, but the opposite is schools that were much more relational and covenantal and communal were finding creative ways to maintain that sense of community first, relationship first. And so families were leaning into their schools because they found value there. They found meaning and connection in the midst of isolation. Then finally, Daryl talks about phase three being just maintaining, sustaining, and even perhaps thriving in the plan. Um, and this is characterized by resilience and growth and reflection and actually being able to pay attention to what we're learning in the midst of the crisis as we move forward. So maybe phase four then, Eric, is your question. What's next? Um, how do we live into the new normal with a sense of communal dialogue and reflection? And just to start us off really quickly, I think there's two ways of thinking about it. First, what do we have to do in the new normal? And this is, I think, important to think about. 
conversations about new cleaning and hygiene protocols, limiting class sizes based on square footage, staggering schedules, flexible attendance policy, you know, even perhaps suspension or elimination of extracurriculars and chapels and full school gatherings. So that's, I mean, that stuff that we have to do might be next. Um, and, and our resilience, I hope, proves that we can navigate this. Um, and then what's probably the more exciting question, and I think the, what I've loved listening to your guests about, what do we want to do in the new normal? Not what do we have to do, but what do we want? And my hope is in education, those who have deep character, competence, and courage, and a clarity of purpose will seize opportunity in this crisis. And for me, I don't think it changes our mission much. I think we still believe deeply in honoring the beauty and the uniqueness of each child and educator as whole persons. So all of us are still physical, social, emotional, and cognitive. And how do we think about the development of the whole person, whether that's a teacher or a student? And as you know, I'm a big fan of that Ephesians 2.10 passage where we say each of us is God's handiwork. We're his beautiful work made to do the beautiful work he's prepared for us to do um, in a shared culture and a, a complex world. Highly communal, not individualized. And when I say highly communal, not individualized, I, I think we want individualization, but that to me is personal. It's not independently isolated individual. And I, you know, if we think about like Khan Academy is a great tool, right? And it helps a student develop their individual math skills, but that's not the core of what we want in education. We want personalization where each child is known, but we still want a community of learners collectively working together. That we want schools to be highly networked, not isolated, so school connecting to school. And then again, we just wanna be highly narrative and purpose-driven, not disjointed and self-serving. So, so can I can I dig a little deeper on that? Because because I find it fascinating the the distinction between individualized and personalized. Mm -hmm. And how how do we take this, and how do we, or have you given much thought to how we personalize things when we maybe return to some sort of normalcy? Maybe that's a year from now, right? Or maybe that's you know mm -hmm. six months from now, or whatever. But how do we continue to drive at that personalization of learning, but yet within that community and that communal context of the us that makes so much of what we do special and so much of what you even mentioned as what drives us, you know, what, what's allowed, you know, some of those schools to be successful in this place is because they were community relationship driven. And have you given much thought of how maybe we could do that better you know, as we go forward, the personalization w within that context of community? Yeah, I think the big pressure on that is going to be the swinging pendulum of in-person versus virtual, right? And I, it seems to me that if we're forced to be completely virtual, that does push us into a bit more of an individualized context, which is tough. And so I think it's important we have, um, we have, schools or teachers that are that are really trying to use synchronous moments online for the social emotional so that we still do maintain a sense of connection, not just student to teacher in a one to one relationship, but student to student. And I think if we focus on um, continuing to main that sense of that sense of brave space together, um, where a teacher is still 
in many ways, the mentor and the glue of a group of learners together where they still have opportunity to interact together, whether that be in person or in a blended or even a virtual environment. And that they're not just pursuing individual skill acquisition, but they are still working collectively as a group for some kind of purpose-based, project-based work. You know, so I know, for instance, just one quick example, there's a teacher in one of our schools here in Ontario where she would do, and this is a common project that uh, maybe you're familiar with, where, where the students interview someone who is elderly. And that interview is to tell the story of that elderly person, right, to write the biography, all kinds of literacy skill acquisition, social emotional skill development. And those kids tell those stories of those elderly and then collect, they, they create books that then get given back to that senior, right? To me, that's not individualized, that's highly personalized learning and the school, the class is doing that communally, they're all inter interviewing, they're interviewing collectively, all of that can still happen in a blended learning environment and that teacher is doing that project this spring, even in spite of the complexity that we're facing. And it's all the more important because that elderly person is more vulnerable than ever, as we know. Right. So to me, I think that's a that's a story where we can maintain the best of our pedagogy, even within the complexity of a blended learning uh, where we're where we're forced to people virtual and and not uh, in person. So, Eric, you got to take that as a good sign, my man, because the uh, the teacher I'm referring to, she calls the project crowns of glory. Uh, some some phrase, I think, taken from one of Paul's letters. So. Uh, you you've earned the crown of glory with uh, the fact that your your niece is interviewing like that so congratulations yeah it feels good it was it was it was nice to for her to ask those questions because because even her mom my little sister is like i didn't know that stuff <laughs> it's like because you never asked <laughs> uh justin is <laughs> this is incredible stuff I, you know and i think it i mean there, there's so many things that obviously we could go deeper on and dig deeper on but thank you for giving us you know bits and bites to to kind of think about especially i mean you know i, I think about that personalization within community and and how do we look at bringing people back together and how do we look at what's you know what what comes you know, after this. And so I really appreciate your wisdom, your thoughts. Um, thanks, Justin. Awesome to be with you, Eric. Be well. Be